0: Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. And we are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight we bring you part five in our series entitled, The Ten Disturbing Claims of Christ. These ten claims of Christ will either draw you Or they will drive you. It is our hope that they will draw you to Christ. These ten claims of Christ were so disturbing to the religious leaders of his day that they wanted to kill him for them. These ten claims of Christ, even today, still disturb all the false religions and cults of the world who do not know the historic Jesus of the Bible. So we are going to learn about these 10 disturbing claims of Christ and much, much more. So buckle up, get ready, stay tuned, for we are not
2: pretending. We are contending
0: for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you
2: tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know that you're going to be blessed by the program tonight. And as Brother Gary has said, we have been dealing with these 10 disturbing claims of Christ, startling claims of Christ, claims that will shake you, make you, or break you. And these disturbing claims did two major things. I'll say this by way of introduction, they disturbed so many people that they went in the direction of heaven, and it disturbed others where they went in the direction of hell. Oh, my friend, don't let these disturbing claims lead you in the direction of hell, because that's a place that you don't want to go, because once you go there, you'll never get out, and you'll suffer throughout eternity. And Jesus came to die for your sins so that you wouldn't have to go there, my friend. Now, by way of uh, review, let me go through these uh, first four, and then we're going to try to get into the fifth uh, disturbing claim of Christ. So you might want to write these down. The first disturbing claim of Christ is that he forgave sins, and the religious leaders knew that... uh, And they knew this from the Old Testament that only God could forgive sins. And we learn about this in Mark 2, 1 through 12 and Luke 7, 47 through 50. And they knew that only God can forgive sins. And they knew that Jesus was claiming to be God from forgiving sins. The second disturbing claim is that he claimed to be the Son of God. And I'm going to encourage you to take note of that because this teaching tonight is going to be related to this second point, that he claimed to be the Son of God, and uh, really God the Son as well. This phrase, uh, when Jesus used it in the Hebrew, it refers to him sharing the three aspects. That is, he, the, he shared the, the nature of the oneness of God, the essence, and the being of God those three aspects of deity. The third disturbing claim of Christ is that he claimed to be one with God. How? One in nature, essence, and being. And this is what we know uh, from the Greek. Even the Greek says in the John 10 and verse 30, he says, I and the Father, we are one. He uses the plural, we are one, meaning that he's, there are two persons, but they're one in nature, essence, and being. And the Jews took up stones to stone him. Why? Because he was claiming to be equal with God. And they were disturbed by these claims, and that claim too. And that's something important for us to understand in the light of this. And then the fourth disturbing claim of Jesus was that he said to Philip in John 14 and 9, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And Jesus is saying, when you see God, you see him as God as well, because he shares again the nature, essence, and being of God. And this was a disturbing claim, because they, the, even the disciples had a hard time understanding that Jesus was God until after the resurrection. They bumbled and fumbled, and Finally, after the resurrection, they finally came to grips with the fact that Jesus was God. You remember that time when Jesus calmed the sea and said to Mother Nature, be still, and then all of a sudden the disciples said, what manner of man is this that can speak to the winds and sea and it obey? I would have said, what manner of God is this? What manner of God-man is this? See, they still thought in their mind that he was just a mere man and it wasn't until after the resurrection, even doubting Thomas, lest I shall see in his hands, in his feet, I will not believe. And when he saw the resurrected Lord, he said, O Curiosmo Chaotheosmo, <laughs> the Lord of me, the very God of me. Even the disciples bumbled and fumbled around the deity of Christ. Now the fifth disturbing claim of Christ, and this is what we're going to pick up with tonight, is that he claimed uh, to uh, call his father, Father. And uh, he also claimed that he does the same work as the Father. And we find this in John chapter 5 and verses 17 and 18. Let me read that to you. John chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath. Now, he really didn't break the Sabbath. The Greek word there is luo, which means loosed. He loosed the Sabbath restriction because he's Lord of the Sabbath. They thought he was breaking it, but you know, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He can do whatever he wants to do, but they didn't understand that, and they didn't understand that he was God. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Now, what we have to understand here in the context of the Jewish mind, and this is what we got to understand, because the Bible is a Jewish book. It's not an English book. And when Jesus ever claimed that the Father was his Father, he was claiming to be God. And the Jews understood that. But do you understand that? Because... For a person on earth to say that God in heaven is his Father, they knew immediately that he was claiming to be equal because he was sharing the same nature, essence, and being. See, this goes back to the point of him being called the Son of God. That's why they wanted to kill him over and over and over. You have to look at the Bible from the standpoint of the Jews and the Hebrew and the way they thought as Hebrews, and the way they looked at the God of the Old Testament. That's the way you got to look at the Bible, if you're going to understand it. Now, uh, Jesus had said in verse 17, and he answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. So what Jesus was claiming here was that he was claiming to be deity with God by saying that he works the same work as the Father. Now, let me kind of break this down to you, what's going on with this verse 17, and you might want to take some notes on this. The Jew, Jesus points this out, whether they believe he broke the Sabbath or not. God was working. This is the first point. God was working continuously, and Jesus took that continuous working and applied it to himself. And said, as the Father is continuously to work, so, this is the second point, Jesus himself is claiming to work continuously and equally. Thirdly, he also must be God, because for him to work the same work with God, the Father, equally, nonstop, he's claiming to be God from that, you see? Fourthly, furthermore, God does not need a day of rest, for he never wearies. It it says this in Isaiah 40 and verse 28, neither does Jesus. And fifthly, Jesus' point, point is the same factor that applies to God must also apply to him as well from this John 5 and 17. 60, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. We see this in Matthew 12 and 8. And this is, I'm talking about these points under John 5 and 17. And even, this is 7 point, even the Jewish rabbis admitted. Now listen to this. Even the Jewish rabbis admitted that God's work had not ceased after the Sabbath because he maintains and sustains the universe. This kind of fits into Hebrews chapter 1, where uh, the writer is talking about the deity of Christ and says he's not only the brightness of God's image and the the exact uh, stamp of his image and likeness, but he also talks about he upholds the universe by his own power, which means, see, it's one miracle for God to create the world, but it's another miracle for him to sustain it continuously. So this is saying that Jesus is indeed God. Now, I want to just say a few more things on this because I want to bring out these points as well in bringing this home. When we look at John 5 and 18... Jesus is calling God his Father and claiming to be equal to God. Now, when we look back at the prior chapters in John 5, from John 5 and 18, other claims regarding his relationship to his Father, and and in John uh, 2 and 16, Jesus said, making my Father's house a house of merchandise. He calls his Father, Father there. They just got mad. Every time he would call God Father, the Jews got angry, and the disciples were trying to understand this. It was a disturbing claim. Understand that. Him claiming the Father to be Father, they knew he was claiming to be deity. How many times do we preach and teach on that? John 3 and 16, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of God. That was a disturbing claim. In John 4 and 34, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him that sent me and accomplish his work. How did he accomplish the work? Well, in John 5 and 17, he claims to be divine because he said, The same work that the Father does continuously, I do as well. Now, let me say this in conclusion. It is quite obvious that Jesus is the Son of God, and he claims God's God to be his Father, which made him equal to the Father. The Jews knew this claim, but what about you? See, Jesus knew this claim. John wrote about it. He knew the claim. The rebellious Jews knew the claim, but what about you? If you're a cult, listen, tonight, you better believe it, you better receive it, and you better achieve it. Because hell is waiting for you in rejecting Jesus for who he is. Now, let me say this. In the context of John five seventeen through 18, the Apostle John, and this is what every Jehovah's witness needs to pay attention to, when he uses the term son of God, listen to me, Jehovah's witnesses, and listen to me, everybody out there that denies Jesus is God. Anytime in the Bible, from Matthew to Revelation, when Jesus is called the Son of God, that means that Jesus is claiming to be God. Now, look at this, and, and witness from this perspective. This is interesting, if you, if you look at this and witness from this perspective. Anytime it uses the term Son of Man, it means one thing in the Bible, that Jesus is man. If he uses the term son of God, it means one thing, that he's claiming to be God. So you can't contradict this. So Jesus is equal to God the Father and shares the same nature, essence, and being because it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. So my friend, I'm going to challenge you tonight. If you have rejected Christ for who he is and what he is you don't want these words to come at you and it's regarding his deity john 8 and 24 he said if you believe not that i am he you will die in your sins and jesus went as or saying where i'm going you cannot come that is a divine title if you believe not that i am he if you're denying that he is god The one who stepped out on nothing, grabbed a handful of nothing, threw nothingness nowhere, and it became a universe. My friend, you're lost. You need to get found by repenting and accepting Jesus right now as your personal Lord and Savior. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. All right. Well, it's time for
0: us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. And, you know, with all seriousness, you know, we want to see folks saved. We want to see people brought into the kingdom. And in this day and age, you know, we hear a lot of messages and a lot of preaching on come to Jesus and your life will be beautiful. Come to Jesus and you'll be saved. But we hardly ever hear anybody talking about what you will be saved from. And the reality of an eternity lost is is a a huge thing, that hell is real. And you don't want to go there. It wasn't meant for you in the first place. And so we want to encourage you tonight that if you're listening to this broadcast for the first time, that if you're in your car and you know you're not right with God, you know you're not living right, you know that if something were to happen to you, in the next 10 minutes, you would be lost for all of eternity. Right. So we want to encourage you tonight, if you're within the sound of our voices, to turn your life over to Jesus Christ and be saved from an eternity of damnation and, and be brought into the kingdom of heaven. It's that simple. It's no accident that you're hearing this tonight. It's no accident that God has tuned the radio to, to this station for you to hear it tonight now is the appropriate time. Now is the time of salvation. According to Scripture, tomorrow is not promised to us. We want to encourage you tonight that if that's you, make a commitment, turn your life over, surrender to Jesus Christ, and, and uh, we'll be happy to pray with you. Give us a call tonight. That number is one forkfax That's one 888 to nine. You know, this is we like to have fun here at Contending for the Faith, but at the same time, this is serious business. Eternity is real and you don't want to you don't want to be lost. You know, I'm, it's an amazing thing that, you know, the Lord Jesus decided he would rather die than live without you for an eternity and you know, let that soak in. He gave up his life for you. He would rather die than live without you for an eternity. So we want to encourage you tonight. We don't always make these kind of uh, requests, these kinds of announcements, these kinds of invitations. But tonight, you know, just, we just feel led that this is someone out there needs to hear this because they're on the brink of eternity. They're on the brink of being lost and God doesn't want you to be lost. So give us a call. Again, that number is 1-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's one 367 5329 We want to begin by thanking everyone who has been diligently praying for contending for the faith. We need your ongoing prayers as well as your ongoing financial support to stay on the air. You know, without your help, without you... Uh, you know, this program wouldn't be on the air. We'd never make it without your prayers. So we want to thank you for your prayers. We want to thank those who stepped up to the plate and sacrificially gave over the past week, Douglas, Mary, June, Benjamin, Jackie, Scott, and Alfred. Thank you so much for your generosity and listening to the Spirit of God. Uh, Right now, we are behind by $310, and uh, that's for this program, tonight's program. So we want to encourage you, now's the time to give. It costs us $400 a week to stay on the air, so we really need your help. Maybe when you get your tax refund, consider that uh, maybe sending part of that to Contending for the Faith. If you've been blessed by this ministry and and you you want us to stay on the air, we want to encourage you. Partner with us financially. There's two ways. You can donate uh, the first, just send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Uh, just jump on your computer, your laptop, your smartphone. Go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the Donate button, and it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. None of these proceeds, none of these funds uh, go to Dr. Buckner or myself or anybody else on the staff. It all goes right back into paying for the airtime for this program. So we, you know, both come long distances. It's a sacrifice, but we believe in what God is doing here. And uh, he's been faithful for the last almost 20 years. And uh, we know that he's going to supply the need, but he works through his people. So we want to encourage you tonight, consider partnering with us through prayer as well as financially here at Contending for the Faith. Uh, We want to let you know that Dr. Buckner will be a keynote speaker and lead three workshops at the uh, upcoming Bass uh, Bay Area Sunday School Convention, March 5th through the 7th, Uh, coming up next month. The convention will be at Redwood Chapel Community Church, one nine three hundred Redwood Road, Castro Valley, California. That's Redwood Chapel Community Church, one nine three hundred Redwood Road, Castro Valley, California. For more information, you can go online to www.bassconvention.org. That's bassconvention.org, and you can see uh, all the wonderful um, speakers, the classes. Doctor Buckner's picture will be there. Um, as well as the the times of his classes and uh, the times when he will be speaking. So it's going to be an exciting time. This is a big deal. We want to encourage you to take advantage of it. Um, Just another note related to uh, the Bass Convention, that next Saturday on Contending for the Faith, we'll have a special guest. Pastor John Hunter will be here to talk about the Bass Convention. So you won't want to miss that. That will be next Saturday. Dr. Buckner.
2: Thank you, Brother Gary, for those announcements, and we appreciate that, and we appreciate all that uh, people in the radio land do for Contending for the Faith and other ministries. And so keep us in your prayers and continue to support us so that we can continue to do what we're doing. Well, Brother Gary, let's get to uh, our first caller. Who is that? Uh, It's going to be CeCe. Picking up from last week. Cece, how you doing?
1: Um, how you guys doing?
2: We are truly blessed. How about yourself?
1: I'm just um, glad you guys to have me a, to be a part of your fellowship. Appreciate it.
2: Well, it's great to have you a part of it. And uh, uh, bring out maybe one or two things that really touch you tonight in the Word.
1: One thing, when you, you mentioned uh, when you mentioned hell, and you said, um, I think it was at the beginning or want to talk about hell and that that's the place that you would spend all eternity to. And I think that's very important because there's a lot of people these you know they don't they don't think about what they they think that they can always be here. Like a lot of people don't think like okay, well tomorrow is promised. People say, well I'll see you next week. I always, like me, a lot of times I say Lord willing because I don't know if I'm gonna wake up tomorrow. So it's that's to me. yeah,
0: every day is a, a that's gift. A reality. Amen. Okay, go ahead. I said every day is a gift.
1: Oh yeah, so I really, I, I appreciate it. I don't, I don't take life for granted at all. So I think that was that was one valid point because a lot of preachers don't preach on hell, and then it just then just again, you just bringing out that beautiful subject matter about that Jesus. You said that when um, he said he was the son of man, he was talking about his humanity. So when he said he was the son of the God, he was saying he was equal with God, sharing, sharing the same. Of nature, essence, and being, and then when you went to John five eighteen and all the passages in terms that actually that's what you say, and in terms also like how you talked about because a lot of the cults they do deny that Jesus is the Son of God and that He is God, and, and I think that's very important. Most of the cults, like you said, they they deny that.
0: Oh
2: all yeah, of
1: cults, I mean, all of them, not most, all of them.
2: Oh yeah, that's a common trait. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for that uh, uh, feedback. We always appreciate that. And uh, what's on your heart tonight? You uh, have a question. You want to pick up where you left yeah. off last time?
1: Yeah, I have two questions. But the first one is the first one. I think I deal with the first one first. Is um, in Revelation chapter three, verse
2: eight. Hmm. Uh,
1: I mean, not three eight, but three fourteen. Sorry.
2: Okay. Uh let me get to that uh here and uh you have your Bible there?
1: Uh yes I do.
2: Okay. And you said Revelation three fourteen? Yes. Okay, and uh what's uh, on your heart?
1: I wanted to ask you in terms of what is what is, what is this passage? What's the what's what is, what is this passage, the definition, the, the exegesis?
2: Yeah, um I tell you what you last week you had uh brought up uh matthew 24 24,
1: twenty four and twenty four correct this matthew 24? yes uh, no i think it was it very was, was it was uh revelation three and fourteen
2: okay was it revelation last week revelation three and fourteen
1: yeah yeah it, 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 it was it was three and fourteen this this is the one i was at mary you said you were picking up you was you wasn't able to because i got in at the end
2: oh okay so
1: yeah yeah
2: Oh, very good. Matthew okay. twenty
1: four. Yeah, Matthew twenty four, you already answered that one a couple weeks
2: ago. Oh, okay. Very good. Well, thank you for the update because I know you've you've asked uh, that a little while ago. Yeah, so yeah. so this is uh the Lord Jesus uh warning uh the various uh churches, seven churches of Asia Minor. And uh this is one of the church. Uh and what's going on here is The Lord, if you read all of the um, chapters here dealing with the seven different churches, you have, uh, like, condemnation and accommodation, where he's uh, bringing forth, uh, you know, warning, but also uh, validating uh, the church as well. And so when you look at the full context here, uh, he talks about uh, to this church, the Odysseans he writes that these things saith the amen, faithful and, and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. <clears throat> so what he's doing, in essence, is really uh, encouraging this church to be faithful like Jesus, because he was faithful, and he was the the true witness, and he's encouraging them to... Uh, imitate Jesus Christ because that's who he is, and the church is supposed to have that like-minded as Jesus as well. Now, this is quite interesting. The Jehovah's Witnesses, when they look at this passage here, Revelation 3 and 14, they try to argue that when it says, the beginning of the creation of God, they try to argue that Jesus (laughs) was actually created. And so be aware of that uh, when you come across a Jehovah Witness. Now, the Greek word for beginning, you know what the Greek word for beginning is? Arche. Arche. And that's where you get the English word architect, or designer, or maker. So is saying here that he is the maker, the creator of all the creation of God. So you have to be very careful when you're dealing with a Jehovah Witness because they try to argue that the word beginning is a, a word that's talking about that he was created, and that's not what uh, it's the passage is talking about at all. So, uh, So the challenge to the church here is that they be faithful, and they look at Jesus as the true witness, that they are to be a witness as well, and that they don't uh, fall away from being faithful and a true witness to the Lord because the church was under severe attack, and uh, God didn't want them to be uh, this type of church where they're cold or hot, uh, that, you know, being both, but he wanted them to be faithful. So he's challenging them to be faithful in the midst of whatever they do for him and to look at Jesus as that role model uh, of faithfulness because that's the key to uh, everything. So hopefully that kind of helps you out a little bit. There's a lot more to the chapter that you can deal with verse by verse, uh, but I just want to try to primarily deal with this one verse where it's keying in on the word faithful and true witness. And then there he's the writer, John, is also letting them know that he is the creator, so you follow him as a faithful one, as a true witness one, and as the creator uh, of your life. So hopefully that helps out. That
1: helps out. out a lot. That gave me a lot of information. That gave me a lot to work with. I appreciate that.
2: Oh, very good. We appreciate uh, your call. And then uh, we have about a minute before we get into, maybe we can get into a little prayer real quick for you. Okay. What's on your heart? terms of prayer requests uh,
1: i got um i just wanted to keep you just pray for my family uh, my mother rosalinda you could pray for me um and my dad who had uh surgery and if we could lift up um charlie wilson who is uh i guess he's a singer from the gab band and then al Pacino, the, the actor who did uh, scarface
2: okay all righty well
0: let's do that brother gary okay lord we just thank you for brother cc we pray for his family his mother rosalinda his dad who had surgery we pray for his speedily recovery pray for uh cc himself lord god that you continue to bless him and strengthen him and encourage him and lord god we lift up uh charlie wilson from the gap band al pacino and and many of celebrities lord god over the years that we've lifted up we pray that you would just eke into their lives bring people into their lives to bear witness of the saving power of of, your, of you, Lord Jesus. Move upon them, strengthen CC tonight, Lord. Encourage him and, and be with him in
2: Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, CC, for your call, and we always appreciate your question. For the Gary. All right. Uh-huh. It's time for us to take that commercial break.
0: We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we want to thank everybody who's been praying for Contending for the Faith. Without your prayers, uh, this program definitely would no longer be on the air. It's so important that you continue to pray for our ministry as well as partner with us financially to help us continue to do the work that God has called us to do. Currently, we are behind by $310, so we need to make that up, and uh, we need your help. It's that simple. Um, without your prayers and without your consistent financial support, there's no way we can continue to do what we need to do. We know that a lot of you have applied for your tax refund, and maybe if God has blessed you and moved upon your heart, to consider sharing that with this ministry and maybe others as well. But there's lots of ways, you know, as God moves upon your life um, and blesses, con- consider being a blessing to us and those who listen and being a blessing to the lost for time and eternity. Because your dollars are touching lives. Your dollars are making a difference in someone else's life. And that's really key. So we want to encourage you. There's two ways you can donate. Number one, send a check or a money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553. Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Just go on your smartphone, your tablet, your laptop, and go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, click the Donate button, and bam, there you go. A blessing for time and eternity. We want to, again, remind you that Dr. Buckner Uh, We'll be a keynote speaker and uh, also be leading three workshops at the upcoming Bass Convention. Bass stands for Bay Area Sunday School. Uh, That's going to be held March 5th through the 7th at the uh, Redwood Chapel Community Church, 19300 Redwood Road, Castro Valley, California. That's Redwood Chapel Community Church, 19300 Redwood Road, Castro Valley. For more information... Uh, go to www.bassconvention.org. That's bassconvention.org. And also, next s- next Saturday, we're going to have Pastor Jan Hunter here as a special guest to talk to us more about the Bass Convention. I am. I'm assuming that Pastor Hunter is involved in the, the administration of this event. Doctor Buckner, is yes, right? he
2: is. Yeah. As A matter of fact, he is going to be doing a workshop himself. So. All You'll right. have a whole lot to say when he's here, and give uh, people a lot of information.
0: Very good. So we look forward to that next Saturday. Don't want to miss it. Amen. All right, let's go to Brother Rick.
2: Uh, he's been patiently waiting. Hello, Brother Rick. How you doing?
0: I am blessed. How about yourself?
2: We're truly blessed, and just having a blast of a time in the Lord here in the studio. And and uh, what's on message? Oh, thank you. Thank. you. How did it touch you? Well,
1: pretty much, it said. It, it pretty much uh, said that. Everything from the very beginning, Jesus Christ was like His Father. He worked like His Father. Mm-hmm. He didn't need the Sabbath, and that was something that really touched me.
2: Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I think, and I got a funny feeling that the question I'm going to ask tonight relates to some of this. Oh yeah, what's on your heart? <clears throat> well, you know, many people many people claim that the religions of uh, Hinduism and Buddhism are older than Judaism and Christianity. Mm-hmm. The question is, how do we refute that claim biblically? Wow, that's a very very good question. You always have come up with some very good questions. And um, how do we respond to those who say that uh, Hinduism and Buddhism is the oldest religion and uh, predates uh, Judaism and Christianity? Um, Let me just start off by saying this, because we need to be able to be uh, apologetically intelligent in responding to this, because it's going to come your way one day, and you need to be ready to give an answer, as it says in First Peter 3 and 15. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks of you a reason hope that's in you with meekness and fear. The first way that I would uh, respond to that, and there are several ways that I would do this, is this. Number one, uh, Christianity is not uh, a religion. Uh, It is a relationship. So we need to make that clear to those who are beefing up a lot of stuff about religion because uh, the second point is that you don't get saved based upon religion but truth. You get saved by the truth that's based upon a true relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ as the bible has revealed so that's that's very important that we understand that and then thirdly uh the thing that uh, predates uh every religion is going back to truth i think that we need to uh emphasize the fact of truth over religion and relationship over uh religion you know and uh, the Pharisees was up to religion, up to their teeth. And Jesus said, you're full of dead man's bones, you know, and uh, whited sepulchres, full of dead man's bones. And so religion can send you straight to hell, but a relationship sends you to heaven. And so what predates religion is going all the way back to uh, a true relationship with the living God. Now, so when did truth begin, uh, we can take truth, and this is another point, we can take truth all the way back to Adam and Eve. So so you talk about uh, the first people on earth, and you, you, no religion can uh, predate that, because that's, <laughs> that's the, the creation of man, and Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, and so truth came to them. In the Garden of Eden, they didn't follow the truth. They believed the lie of the enemy, you know. And then truth continued to uh, manifest itself to, to the next point is Abraham, Moses, and, and then to the priests and the prophets, and then truth came to the apostles, and then, uh, well, to Jesus, and then it came to the apostles, and then truth comes to us another point truth comes to us in jesus christ you remember jesus said in john 14 and 6 i am the way the truth and life no man come to the father but by me so we we witness to cults and false religions by (coughs) simply staying with the truth we don't get into religion Who, who is the oldest religion no we get into the oldest truth and we stay with the oldest truth and um and you know uh, Isaiah is uh, what we call another gospel, like a Old Testament gospel, and, and it says he constantly says, "I am God." Isaiah says about God, "I am God," and besides me there is no other God. And then Exodus twenty says, "Thou shalt have no other gods before me." And then last point is First Timothy two and five says, "There there is one God, not a multitude of gods in Hinduism and." Buddha, Buddhism and all the other religions of the world and cults and ism, says that there's one God and one mediator. <clears throat> Mary is not a mediator, and uh, no other person but Jesus Christ. So hopefully that helps out. Uh, I tried to give you a basic apologetic approach, and hopefully that's, that helps you out. And just
0: to add one thing from Isaiah, he always said, I am the first
2: and I am the last. Absolutely. And besides me, there is besides me, there is no God. There's no God. That's it. That's it. Well, very good question. Thank you, and hopefully, that's some things have said to help you out with that. All right, appreciate it. God bless. You got it. God bless. Who do we have next? All right, we're going to uh, Sophia. Sophia, how you doing?
3: Oh, I tell you, I'm, I am so grateful. But that was a great story, by the way. I mean, not great story. I mean, the uh, your message tonight, not the story message. Was fabulous. Now Rick's question was fabulous too. Because, but I always say to people, well, you know what? Who cares about the Buddhists and the Hindus and all these other people? Uh, God created heaven and earth. That's a lot older than Buddhism and Hinduism and all that stuff. That's man-made stuff. But anyway, so I have been doing my homework. On I, I have Calvinism down pat, but I'm having uh, Armenians a little more complicated. So we'll get to that down the line. But I had a quick question. Which has always made me a little confused because they say, you know, they always want to stone Jesus, and that was such a good message, you know. Whenever he says, "I'm the Son of God," or anything, or, or and so, but then how, in their minds, did, did the Pharisees and the Jews explain the miracles he performed? What did they say was the power? Where did that come from? On the one hand, they want to stone him when he says he's the Son of God. But they saw the miracle. So, what did they think? Did they think it was an evil spirit that he could do these things? How did they, rash, you know, think it in their minds?
2: Well, that's a good question. And if you look at uh, Mark chapter three, mm-hmm. Mark chapter three, and uh, it gives you the answer to what their mindset was. The, and when Jesus had performed miracles, the way they had defined it was through mm-hmm. Beelzebub. The prince of demons and devils, oh. uh, or demons, rather. That's the better word, is demons. There's such a word as devils. but There's only one devil, the demons. So uh, Jesus had <clears throat> rebuked them because um, they were blaspheming. And he says in uh, Mark 3 and 28, Verily I say unto you, all sin shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, but blasphemy wherewith whosoever shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Spirit has never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. So when you look at verse 22, it says, and the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub by the prince of demons cast, castes he out. Uh, Demons, So they were looking at all the miracles that Jesus did was demonic. And so Jesus came at them saying that, you know, when you say these things, there is forgiveness against the Son of Man. But if you say that he was possessed, then you're uh, committing a sin against the Holy Spirit and there is no forgiveness. So when we define what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is simply this. Mm-hmm. Ongoing, uh, perpetual rejection of Jesus, God cannot forgive a person when they have that type of men- mentality, and then also it is um, a person who who never accepts Jesus Christ in their life, so they will die and be separated from Him from all eternity. So, to answer your question, it's in Mark three, and then you look at all the other Gospels that talk about. Uh, them saying that he was performing miracles by Beelzebub, they they didn't want to accept the miracles because he said to them, if you believe me not for who I am, believe me for the very works. The works were evidence that he was who he claimed to be. But so their way of getting around, their way of getting around it, the Pharisees and the Sadducees is a good name because they were very sad, you see. The reason why, they the way they wanted to get around it was to blame everything that Jesus was doing by demons.
3: And do Jehovah Witnesses think that way too?
2: Well, Jehovah Witnesses uh, will say that Jesus was doing miracles, but they're not going to say that he's doing miracles uh, by himself, he's done it by uh, God, uh, oh, So because they don't believe that he's God that can do it himself.
3: I got it. Okay. So hopefully
2: that helps you. We oh, that was uh, fabulous.
3: Thank y- you so much. You're God welcome, listening. and a good
2: good question. And we're going to try to get our, what, got one more caller? We're going to try to get our last caller. But God bless you. Thank you for the good question. All right, let's go to Sally. Sally, how you doing?
3: Hi, Dr. Buckner. Thank you. Uh, uh, Sophia needs to know the difference between Arminius and the people called the Armenians. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that would help her or not, but it's it's quite a—and I don't know much about Armini, um, Arminius, but, but I think there's a problem there for her. Uh, by the way, Rick and I are on the same page, uh, and he, uh, um, I'm shaking. Uh, Deborah would like to have Rick contact her. He, she's wondering how he is, and she'd love to hear from him. Mm-hmm. And he has her number, I'm sure.
2: Well, we will definitely do that. You know, my mentor, Dr. Walter Martin, just say a little bit on uh, Calvinism and Arminianism, is that there is a difference between the two, because uh, uh, Jacob uh, Arminus and uh, John Calvin, they debated each other, and uh, Calvinism basically was the belief in double predestination, that man, some was called by God uh, to be saved, and others— uh, are called to be damned, and then Arminianism rejected that. And so there is some truth on both sides. Walter Martin simply put it this way, my mentor, I hear that music, he put it this way, um, that he was Cal-Arminian, which meant that he would get a little bit of Arminianism and Calvinism that was would have to do with truth. But we'll talk a little bit more, but I'll have Rick to get a hold of, uh, uh, you know, uh, Deborah, so thank you so much for the encouraging word on that. And God bless. Brother Gary, knock a home run in the name of Jesus.
0: All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. We'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you, your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So please drop us a note. Let us know how this program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers until next time when we give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.